Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service time, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Ephesians chapter 5, we've been going through this book and I thought as we talk about the theme of Thanksgiving today, we would look at Ephesians and see what Paul has to say about this. You know, one of the best images of Thanksgiving in our culture is that cornucopia, that long basket with the big open end sitting on a table with all this bountiful blessing of fruit and vegetables and, and bounty pouring out of that. And it's, a, it's to be a picture as, as a country that we are overflowing with blessings. So I want us to look at this truth of overflowing with thanksgiving in Ephesians chapter 5. If you would follow as I read aloud. Verse 15. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with by the Spirit, here it is, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The context here is Paul speaking to the church about these privileges and blessings that they have and how important it is to have this attitude of overflowing thanksgiving. So I want to look at three key truths and then some uh, applications within each one of those. So the first truth is this. Number one, to be thankful for all things. To be thankful for all things is a uniquely Christian concept. To be thankful for all things is a uniquely Christian concept. Can I say it another way? Only genuine Christ followers can really be thankful in all things. Hold that place there and look with me at the book of Romans, chapter 1, as Paul writes about the lostness of our world. In chapter 1, he describes what it is to, to be without God, to be out there and to be, um, to be separated from Him. And he talks about the fact that He's made Himself evident to the world. But look at verse 21. For though they knew God, Though the the world has a a partial understanding of who God is because of his creation, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. There is a connection here that, that Paul is saying unbelievers cannot really have genuine gratitude and glory to God because they just don't have that relationship with him. It's interesting, in this passage, it's a whole other sermon, but as, as Paul says that the, the world is without excuse because of God's created order, it's a mandate for us to take the gospel to them because what he's saying in Romans chapter 1 is they're accountable to him because he's revealed himself to them in creation. And, but however, since they don't know God, they cannot thank him and have gratitude like we can. So basically, without Christ, we don't have the capacity to be thankful in all things and for all things. Well, let's look at what what can happen if you are a Christ follower and you do give thanks because it's a uniquely Christian concept. Letter A, God is exalted. God is exalted. 
God's glorified. God's lifted up. God is exalted. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. He is the one who is the source of all things. Andy already mentioned that as he was talking and praying this morning, that every good gift comes from the Father. He is the source. When we give thanks to him, he is exalted. He's the source. I've shared this story before. I was watching, a, I believe it was an X Games competition, a professional skateboarder did this incredible run and got this really high score. And you know the cameras follow him as he goes off the ramp and goes to take his place. And they stopped him there and they interviewed him. And, and they said, that was an incredible run you just did, this professional skateboarder, incredible run. He said, what were you thinking, the interviewer asked, what were you thinking as you finished that run? And this is what he said. He said, I was thanking myself. And I thought, really? That's a, that's a demonstration of Romans chapter 1 and what Paul is saying here. When we cannot give God thanks, who else are we going to thank? Ourselves. We put ourselves in that place of being exalted and being God. So this, this, this unique Christian concept of being thankful in all things comes from the fact that God is the source and we direct our thanksgiving and gratitude to him. Secondly, not only is God exalted, but Christ is revealed in our thanksgiving. Christ is revealed. Again, in verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's not just tacking like in the name of Jesus on the end of our prayer. To pray in the name of Jesus means you come to the Father on the basis of what Christ has done for you. To be coming in prayer in the name of Jesus means you've accepted the fact that he died for you and that you've surrendered your life to him. So to give thanks, Christ is revealed in this sense as I'm giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. I don't know who said it, I think it was Rick Warren, that if if God never did another thing for you after he saved you, If he just saved you and never did another good thing for you, you should praise him with every breath you have for the rest of your life. That's genuine thanksgiving. That's why I can be thankful in all things and for all things and through all things because God has saved me. It is in the person of Christ that because of that that I come to him. And then thirdly, this truth here, every moment of our lives is to be permeated with thanksgiving. Every moment of our lives is to be permeated with thanks. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything. Let me tell you what the original language says there, the Greek. That word always, this is deep, folks, means always. That word everything means everything. You can't get much clearer than that. Paul says all the time in everything you are to give God thanks. I love the fact that the word thanks in the original language, and this is from the Greek, it's where we get our word grace. It's the word grace. In fact, some places in the New Testament, it is translated that way. It is this, this grace that because I've been saved, I've been born again, I've been bought by the precious blood of Christ, by his grace, I'm able to give him thanks. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 15, that we are to continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. Isn't that a great picture? continually offering thanksgiving to God. Doing some research about the New England colonies in the first Thanksgiving, and and some historians, there's all different approaches, but one one view said that the the Puritans gathered 
and they had this somber attitude of, of fasting and praying. And, and one old man among them said, you know what, I think it's time that, that we quit focusing on how sinful we are and let's start celebrating. And instead of fasting, let's do some feasting. It's kind of where we get the, the custom that we do. I, I like that. that here, basically what he was saying is, let's quit moping and let's quit whining and let's celebrate and give thanks. Let's, let's let our lives be permeated by thanksgiving. Tom Vanderbilt wrote a book called Traffic, Why We Drive the Way We Do. Huh. That's, it's a good book, I would imagine. I, just, I, don't know, I know part of it. He, what, what he says, his concept is this, that, that when we pull up to a, an intersection, we see a stop sign and stop because we're usually looking for a stop sign. Now, some of you don't, I know that, I understand, but... When I come to an intersection, I'm thinking there's either going to be a light that says stop or go, or there's going to be a sign that tells me what to do. And here's, here's what he says. He says, we see the stop sign at an intersection because we've trained our eyes to look there for that stop sign. Think about that. And then his, his premise is that, that life is that way. There's a life lesson there that we see the things we're looking for. You can be critical about the church. You can be critical about the, the administration, the leadership. You can be critical about a lot of things if you're looking for that. Paul is advocating we let our life be permeated by thanksgiving, we, that we look for the blessings in life. I love it. There are some people in this community that, that uh, I'll, I'll greet them somewhere. I'll say, how's it going? How you doing? You know what they'll say? Blessed, brother. I'm blessed. I love that. That's saying I'm not going to focus on how bad things are. You know, sometimes you ask people, how are you doing to get an organ recital? You know what that is. They tell you about how their heart's not doing good and their liver's not doing good and their kidneys, you know, that's an organ recital. I I didn't think I'd have to explain that. But isn't it great to say, how are you doing? And somebody says, blessed. We see what we look for. Let your life be permeated by this attitude of thanksgiving. I love the story about a man at an evangelistic crusade sitting in a wheelchair. And he didn't get healed at that crusade and didn't get to stand up and say, praise the Lord. He's still sitting in the wheelchair. And they're asking, what's your favorite hymn? And he says, count your blessings. Count your blessings. That's the attitude. That's what we look for. So first of all, we're to be thankful in all things because we're followers of Christ. It's uniquely something we can do. But secondly, thanksgiving is both an activity and an attitude of life. Thanksgiving is both an activity and an attitude of life. Look with me at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Letter A is we get to speak the truth of God. When we are genuinely thankful in all things, for all things, we will speak the truth of God. Remember in Ephesians 4, uh, we were talking about Paul's uh, admonition to the church, the body believers, and, and he says in there, speak the truth in love. A lot of that is in love. We're to speak the truth in love. I think that might be implied here. Speaking to one another, not just, not just flowery, uh, foo-foo stuff, but really genuine truths. We speak to one another. I read about a pastor who confronted a man in his congregation who was living in sin. And this man had been covering it up and covering it up. And finally it came to light and the pastor confronted him. And the man said, oh, thank you, pastor. Thank you so much 
I've been carrying this burden, trying to hide this. Thank you that it's out in the open now. And there was opportunity for forgiveness. But I thought, there's a picture of when you speak the truth, it brings thanksgiving. Even thanksgiving to say, I'm glad it's out in the open and I can find God's forgiveness. Or I'm, I'm glad I got caught because I don't want to live this burden anymore. To speak the truth brings that. There's a show on TV called The Biggest Loser. There was before. I don't know if it's still on anymore. One of the contestants had put on weight. And what they do in, the, in this program is they try to help them understand why they gained so much weight. And this one man basically identified about 10 years previous to coming on the show. His, he had lost his son. He was in the military. He died uh, overseas in action. And he said, ever since the day my son died, I've been grieving. And I've just been putting on this weight. And so the trainer kind of helped him identify and begin to speak truth into his life and, and help him discover that all of this that he was doing was to try to compensate for his grief. And they interviewed the man as he's losing all this weight, and there's this change in his eyes and in his face, his countenance, and he said, I'm free of that burden. I no longer have to prove anything. I no longer have to manifest this grief in that way. And I thought because somebody came alongside that man and spoke truth into his life, there's freedom there's thanksgiving. Here's what he said. Thank you for telling me that my grief is causing me to do this. I love that. Genuine thanksgiving, this activity, will cause us to speak to one another truth. and It'll lead to giving thanks. Secondly, not only do we speak the truth of God, we will show the joy of God. We will show the joy of God. Again in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Isn't that good? That from my heart, this music comes. Jeremiah 31, verse 13, the Bible says that the, the young women will, will begin rejoicing and dancing. God will turn their mourning their mourning into joy and singing. He will turn their grief into happiness. The joy of the Lord will begin to be manifested in our lives with this genuine attitude of, of gratefulness. Hold that place again in Ephesians and turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 11. Just a few books before that. Listen to this description of the life that this man Paul lived as he told them to be joyful and sing from your heart with joy. Okay, Sometimes we say, oh yeah, you could say that, Paul. Listen to his testimony. Verse 24 in uh, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Five times. I want to go to verse 23. It says, are they servants of Christ? I'm t talking like a man. I'm better one far, with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, near death many times. Five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. Verse 25 now. Three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced, this, this could be a, this could be a, a, a chorus. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, 
Dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, and dangers among false brothers. He's got it covered, doesn't he? Labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, lacking clothing. Not to mention the other things, there was the daily pressure on me, my care for all the churches. Now that's Paul's testimony. That guy that went through all that says, sing, make music from your heart to the Lord, joyfully, for everything. That's incredible. Not only did Paul go through the difficulty that he just shared with us, Not only did it challenge them to do it, in spite of that, he lived it. Look at Acts chapter 16 with me. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. A mob attacks them and they're they're sent to prison because of their testimony. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. Did you hear that? praying and singing to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that all the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison were open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But verse 28, but Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. All the prisoners were still there. Then the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul lived it. Paul and Silas in the darkness, in the the despair of a prison cell, sang praises. I don't believe they were singing dirges. I don't think it was, oh, oh, it's me, you know? I can't do a dirge right now, but you know what I'm talking about? Minor key, sad, somber. I think they were praising God. Hallelujah, you're worthy. Hallelujah, we praise your name. Showing the joy of God. And then we will share the love of God. Let her see if you're taking notes. We will share the love of God. Verse 20 again in Ephesians 5. Giving thanks. Always for everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then look at verse 21. Submitting to one another. So connect the first part of both of those verses. Giving thanks. Submitting to one another. Thanksgiving is connected with sharing the love of Christ with others. With submission Submission. That's how you demonstrate love. You put others first. It is not all about you and your preferences and your agenda. Share the love of God. And how do you do that? By submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. I was reading this week about a Spanish long-distance runner, one of those marathon runners. And he was in a competition against an Olympic medalist from Kenya. And this Spaniard, his name was uh, Ivan Fernandez Anaya, He's, he's way back, and the Kenyan runner is way up front. The Kenyan runner's name is Mutai, and Mutai is about to finish the race, and he comes to the conclusion, and he stops, thinking he's finished the race. And Fernandez comes, at the, comes around the corner and comes up on Mutai and realizes 
that he can just pass this guy and cross the finish line and win. But instead, he taps the guy on the shoulder and says to the Kenya runner, the finish line's up there. You haven't made the finish line yet. So he kind of prods the guy along, and the guy realizes it, and he finishes the race and wins, and the Spaniard comes in second. And his coach went ballistic. Listen to what his coach said. He said about the runner, he wasted an occasion. Winning always makes you more of an athlete. He shouldn't have prompted that runner to go on. He should have passed him because winning makes you more of an athlete. You don't have to be talking spiritual application. You can just talk about sports. That's wrong advice. You know what makes you a better athlete? Learning the lessons of losing. Submitting. The Bible's clear for us, isn't it? You want to be first? Learn to be last. You put Christ first. You put others first. Let others have their way. And you yield and you submit. Boy, that's sharing the love of God. Thanksgiving will do that when you put others first. And lastly, this truth. Genuine thanksgiving comes only from the infilling of the Spirit of God. I believe that's the heart of what Paul is saying here. Genuine thanksgiving comes only from the infilling of the Spirit of God. I've kind of started, kind of working my way backwards here to get to this truth where Paul says clearly, be filled by the Spirit. Stephen Olford said it this way. I love this. When the Holy Spirit fills our lives, thanksgiving becomes inevitable and irresistible. Isn't that a great statement? When thanksgiving, when the Holy Spirit fills my life, and by the way, to be filled with the Spirit is not to have more of God's Spirit. The Bible's clear that when I received Christ as my Savior, I received His Holy Spirit. He came to live within me. Conversion, regeneration, and, and the Spirit coming to live within me, those are one thing that happens. So I don't need more of the Spirit. What needs to happen is I need to yield control of Him. That's what it means to be filled with, to be controlled by. So what Olford is saying is being controlled by the Spirit of God, being filled makes thanksgiving irresistible and inevitable in my life. First of all, just looking at this issue of infilling, we possess Him. We possess Christ. We possess the Holy Spirit. We possess Jesus living within us. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless action, but be filled by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit. The Spirit of God living within us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, your body is the temple, the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that we have this treasure in clay jars, earthen vessels. The treasure is the Spirit of God living within us. The person of Christ confirmed with the presence of Christ within me. Isn't that powerful? That God says, I'm a, I'm a container, I'm a, I'm a vessel that possesses God. By the person of his spirit, he lives within me. Love that old hymn. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. When I was graduating from seminary, one of my uncles said he wanted to give me a gift, so he took me to a jewelry store, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to get a class ring, I hope. I don't know what, what he's doing. but, but we, So we go to this jewelry store, and he takes me over to the section where, where the pins are sold. And he has them take one of those Mont Blanc pins out, and they're... I couldn't believe how much they cost. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I think he wanted me to know how much they cost. That's why he took me there. But this incredible, expensive pin, 
they gave it, they, he bought it and gave it to me as a gift, and it's in this really cool box, really neat box. I mean, I've never seen a pen come in such a neat box. Fancy with the satin inside like it's a piece of jewelry. And, and you open it up, and there's this very, very valuable pen in this box. By the way, that pen is in that box. <laughs> I don't know that I've taken it out much at all. I thought I might use it to sign something official, but I really haven't. But I thought, is, is it as cool as that box is? It's not near as expensive and as valuable as what's in the box. As, as incredible as we are, a creation of God, in all, as, as the psalmist says, being fearfully and wonderfully made, as, as amazing as we are, we're just a container that possesses the Spirit of God. I love that. So not only do we possess Him, but He possesses us. You don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Some translations say with the Spirit. I like this translation, by the Spirit. It's something that He's doing. He is possessing me. The Spirit lives within me, the writer of James says. John said, the one who is lives within me. He possesses us. We belong to Him. My wife is out of town this week, helping our son get moved into Tennessee. And so this week, it's just been me and the dog. Just me and Trapper. I love my dog. He's a good dog. Uh, we've been having fun. He comes into my study, and I'll be sitting there, and he'll just kind of curl up on the, on the carpet right next to me, just lay there. I'll reach down and touch him. We got, this, we got this thing going on. Me and my dog. He loves me. I love him. Not as much as I love my wife and miss her, but I love my dog. Somebody asked me after the first service, do you love your wife? I said, yeah. Well, it didn't sound like it, so I love my wife, all right? I have fun with Trapper. Last night, Trapper, I let him out, and it was, it was cold and windy. He was, man, he was feeling his oats, and he was running around the yard like crazy, and I told him to come in. That's why I say, Trapper, come. And you know what he's supposed to do? He's supposed to come. Well, he picked up a tennis ball and looked at me and took off running. I couldn't be mad at him, but finally, after a little while, I said, Trapper, come. He dropped that tennis ball. I said, go to bed. He came, went in there. He went in his bed. Hey, he loves his bed. Come on. You know why he did that? Because I'm his master. I've got this relationship with my dog and I have fun with him and I enjoy him, but I'm the boss. I'm the master. When I say go to bed, you go to bed. Folks, it's the same with our relationship with God. He loves us. He rejoices. He enjoys us, but he's still our master. He possesses us. And lastly, this infilling of the Spirit of God leads to an overflow. And that overflow impresses others. The overflow impresses others. Back in verse 19 again. Let me just read the whole verse. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 12 that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you speaking words of gratitude and thanksgiving and blessing? If you do, if you speak words of thanksgiving and gratitude, it'll demonstrate that that's where your heart is. Remember Acts chapter 16? I just read the story of the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas are singing praises and 
And I do understand that with the earthquake and with the, the doors coming open and all that, that the jailer was overwhelmed with that. But I can't help but he connected the dots that these two guys were praising God. When he says to them, sirs, what do I need to do to be saved? Can I paraphrase? Paul and Silas, I want what you guys have. I want whatever it is that makes a guy who's in prison sing praises to their God. I want what you have. Our attitude of thanksgiving in the midst of a culture that is crumbling and a world that is in sin, our attitude of blessing and thanksgiving and praise can impact other people. Stuart Watt writes in a book called Floods on Dry Ground about a revival in an African village called Imbai. This revival was spreading through that part of the, the, the country and people were hearing about the joy in that place. And people were traveling to this village because word was out that the people were joyful. She tells a story about three Wallis people who come in. And this is what they said when they got to the village. We want God to give that joy to us. And this is their prayer. They prayed, oh God, we don't want our sins anymore. Take them away and give us the joy that those other people have. In Jesus. Friends, one of the ways that the, the, the people of our world, our community, are going to be drawn to Christ is this attitude of thanksgiving. That it's Christ-centered, spirit-filled. Thanks. Let's pray together.